Parties, episode 94 from the Las Vegas Review Journal. I am your host, Ryan Smith, and with me, as always, my co-host, Lucas Egan. Lucas, how was your Halloween weekend? How you doing, my friend? My weekend was good. It was a busy one. Uh, played mm-hmm. some games, finished up Guardians, which I uh, love that game. Still just mm-hmm. as fun. Uh started on some holiday shopping which is like a first for me nice. so i feel very productive and i survived the packers win against the cardinals which <laughs> they did their best to give me a heart attack at the end of that game so i'm i'm a happy camper ryan how was your weekend and my apologies to that team from yeah. chicago <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, I cannot say the same for my team. We ended up getting smashed on by the 49ers. However, it was a fantastic weekend. Uh, we got some good good trick-or-treating in last night. Went with my brother and, and niece and nephews and all that with my daughter. And we had a blast. It was a crazy neighborhood. It was like the most people I or most kids I've ever seen trick-or-treating it was like a neighborhood and they went all out they had they had some like things going from house to house they had huge like setups it was amazing and that was a lot of fun like you were saying if you guys have not had a chance go check out our youtube page because we did do a review of guardians of the galaxy that game was super super dope really really enjoyed it highly recommend it for sure um other than that though i didn't really get too much gaming in per se we did play some uh super mario or or mario party superstars i'm really enjoying that game as well i'm a huge fan of that series enough about us though we've got a special guest tom salt the composer producer artist such games as death loop uh wolfenstein young blood uh the master chief collection tom how are you doing my friend thank you so much for coming on the show well, thank you for having me. I'm uh, yes. happy to be here <laughs> this post-Halloween Monday. Yes, we we appreciate you being on. Before we get into talking about everything that you've got going on, of course, we've got a couple of news things. I thought this was, was this is, I think, important. We, we talked about this here a couple of weeks ago. We talked about how, uh, and this might have been on, on uh, the GameCast, but I've been talking about it. And originally, Steam uh, basically said that they're not going to support any publishers that are doing uh, blockchain games, NFTs, things of that nature. Epic, on the other hand, said, yeah, well, you can go ahead, but we're not going to touch it. Ubisoft, Ubisoft has gone all in. They have announced that they are very much about blockchain and they have announced that they will be supporting uh, the the blockchain games and NFTs. And I, I think it's interesting how there's such a divide, uh, even within the gaming uh, community. And a lot of this basically is surrounded by, number one, there have been a lot of scams uh, within this this sector of of gaming and and blockchains and NFTs, so I know I, I can understand why they're very hesitant to go ahead and and want to support that. And it also uh, it's been found to have a very negative impact on on the environment as well. So it'll be interesting to see moving forward because this is kind of I, you know I feel that this is the beginning of a whole new era within gaming and people being able to make money from playing games. So there's definitely a popularity, especially in in 
countries where maybe you know the 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 you have a, a higher um, poor I guess community and there's a lot of people that that are are looking for ways to make money and I, I found that a lot of uh, in some of these countries people will use these games and they will grind them and grind them and they're making money off of it so I think it's interesting how there there there's this divide between the two and, and what the future for blockchain because I'm still kind of in this space where I don't think I 100% understand I don't completely grasp nfts and i understand what they are how people are doing them i just don't understand why or how they make money (laughs) from them but people are doing it so it's interesting to see that ubisoft said yeah we will go ahead and and you can publish your games that are that are within the blockchain and i'm curious to see you know where this leads for the future, we already know that there are going to be scams. There have already been scams. So it'll be interesting to see when we moving forward, how that affects the space. If we have some of these publishers that say, you know what, we are, we've decided that we're not going to touch this. We're going to move away from this. Or if they continue to embrace it. What are your thoughts on it, Lucas? Yeah, uh, right. I'm in a similar position to you where where I feel like I have a, a basic understanding, but nowhere new deep enough to get into to a lot of the minutia. But I, I will say this. I think it's intriguing, but I think history has taught us that, that there's going to be some rough periods probably in the beginning. And uh, gaming in general doesn't always have the best tr- track record of taking what could be a good idea and keeping it a good idea. <laughs> like mm-hmm. sometimes it morphs into to stuff that's bad uh, or that becomes bad. And then the community uh, kind of rages against it. And then there's course correction. And so uh, mm-hmm. I, I'd honestly be shocked if that didn't happen now. Um, I, I think that especially with the bigger companies, uh, the drive and need for profits uh, can sometimes lead them to make decisions that aren't, community friendly uh and Mm -hmm. i know that i know that those levers are never simple to keep pulling but uh that that is something that i'd I'd at least be cautious of uh at least in the beginning it's it's uh i I just need to see more details on on how things are regulated uh and what systems are in place to try and prevent scams as much as possible uh i I don't know i just get that feeling that it's going to be rough at the beginning and and something that might be uh, cause more frustration than it's worth uh, until they iron everything out. But I don't know. We'll see. It's an intriguing space. I just hope that things are smoothed out quickly. Yeah. Tom, is this something, do you, have you done any kind of research or anything on like NFTs, blockchain, any of that stuff? None at all. I have no idea why we're talking about this. <laughs> It's hard. It, this is the thing. And, and this is where where it's it's for me anyway, I, I feel like I, I want to know I want to do the research on this stuff because I don't think it's going away. If anything, it is it is only going to increase more and more. We're seeing it, especially with artists and and other other. I guess different different types of uh, uh, things that people can purchase. I just don't understand because you don't technically. I mean, it's almost like NFTs to me are they're like you get a license for an original 
whatever, say a, a piece of music, a, a piece of art, but you don't physically own it. And I don't know then what you do with it, what you could do with it. Can you then mass produce this stuff? Um, can you, you know, there's so much there that I don't know. All I do know is that there is a ton of money behind it. And there's a lot of people, even with the gaming sector, with the gaming sector, really getting that spotlight, really being pushed forward and, and, and being becoming more and more popularized. Uh, I feel that more people are throwing money at it, kind of like esports. There's a ton of money in esports, but they have not quite yet figured out how to make it successful. And and that's not all of them. I know like League of Legends is super popular, especially over uh, over in Asia. Uh, but like, say Call of Duty or or Overwatch, we know that they've had their struggles. So I, I just don't know where this and, and this fits in with gaming and how people are going to utilize it. And, you know, I, I guess if maybe they put in a clause or something, because that would be the biggest thing that I'm thinking as far as these bigger companies that are saying, yes, you can bring them in or not, is you know there's going to be a case where somebody's going to get absolutely scammed and then they're going to end up looking to sue somebody. And then that's really what's going to, I think be the deciding factor on whether people say, yeah, you can go ahead and bring your blockchain game in or nah, we're not touching it. Uh, but I do know that there's a lot of money to be made off of this. I just don't understand how they're doing it. <laughs> we're, I think it's safe to say that right now we're all missing the boat on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but well, yeah, I mean, I, I know about, in, you know, the NFTs and there's money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've had people come up to me and say, hey, if you, you, you go back and get your original album artwork and make all this money. Uh, the thing is this. Look, I'm not sitting in this chair in this room because my motivation is to make money. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. I do what I do because I just love doing it. And that doesn't mean I got to be oblivious to financial opportunities. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm not one that's going to, you know, be I'm not the first person to invest in all these kind of things that can be flashes in the pan. And even if you are doing that full time, you can easily time it wrong. Right. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so I don't play that game. I have enough, you know taking my attention and I have limited energy and time. Mm -hmm. So my job is to make, you know, music and affect people positively and do things and change people's emotions with my music. And uh, I love doing that in the game space. You know, you know, Tom, if I could, if I could touch on that real quick, cause I've heard you talk about that before. Uh, and was that a conscious decision right away that you that that you wanted to find those kind of challenging creative projects and and how hard was it to balance because I think that's something that that anyone that's in a creative field struggles with you know the the, the need and desire uh, obviously to make a living but but trying to stay true to what motivates you creatively uh, how how difficult was it for you to find that perfect balance for yourself? Well, you know, it's not something that creative people often have a conscious choice mm -hmm. to say, okay, well, you know, this year I'm going to create the perfect balance. You know, it's, it, <laughs> you know, we're responding to current conditions. You know, I play the cards that I'm dealt and I can't control mm -hmm. what the dealer gives me in life. Right. right? So, mm -hmm. but I do feel that that we as creative spirits have a chance to manifest what we want as long as we're clear about what we want. 
And so I think that the more you're able to focus on what you love and why you love to do something, what you start to see is it starts to come in to your life as an opportunity. And it's easy to look at life in reverse and connect the dots. But if you, if you, if I go back, I'm still amazed how, you know, it's constantly changing and evolving. Mm-hmm. And I'm finding that I'm starting to connect more and more dots with all the stuff that I love. And that's the amazing part. So, you know, one of those big, big mergings happened back in 2003 for me, where Mm -hmm. I took my lifelong love of music and my lifelong love of video games and we're able to kind of start and bring them together, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know? But that's just one big obvious example. There's, I was, when I was five years old, six years old, I was crawling around making in my house, like haunted houses. You know, Mm -hmm. I loved like having, you know, friends and my parents would crawl through little, little chairs and I put blankets and make stickers. And then as I got a little older, I, I'd always Halloween parties. I'd always make a haunted house. And then I started making my own scary music or actually taking it from video games and mm-hmm. then this past Friday, I was just announced as the composer for Outlast Trials. So I can finally oh, nice. say that I'm working on that and working on, let's say, horror music like that is literally that's a childhood dream. That's what I love to do. You know, mm-hmm. so how do I combine that? It, it happens. It happens <laughs> when you're clear about what you love and you put it out there. That does not mean that it's always perfect and you're always getting just the magical things that you love or just sailing down from the sky. (laughs) No, I mean, you know, we all have to do our time. We all need to make money. We all need to, you know, maybe you got to get a day job or a real job, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, Mm -hmm. or take some things that you're not so fond of doing and you, you balance it out. I think one of the techniques that we do have control of is to always keep our eye on the prize and mm. not to get lost in the sidetracked stuff. It And again, if, if money becomes the pursuit, it's very easy to get sidetracked. I could very much be making a lot more money right now doing certain kinds of things, even in the music arena, mm-hmm. if I wanted to, if money was my motivation. You know, my my kids, you know, they come up to me and you know, they're very much into modern, you know, pop and trap and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, my son will sit with me in the studio and he'll be like, Dad, you could be making so much as making beats all day. You look at this kid. He just made a million dollars. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, I, I that's cool. But I I don't feel it. Yeah. You know, he's looking at me like I have three heads. Like, you don't feel it. You could be driving a Lambo, you know. You know, but I think he's starting to get it. He's starting to see that, you know, there's some people whose sole pursuit is just the money and they're just miserable and it's never enough. Mm -hmm. And then they have the Lambo and then, you know, he knows a guy's got this car and this car and this car. I'm not saying he's not happy, but there's something missing when it just becomes that because life goes by too fast. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I never did the things I love. Was, was there a moment or a stretch of time where that lesson started to really sink in for you that, you know, money is important, but it's not the be all end all? Ooh, trying to think of like that big moment where the sky opened. It was like, <laughs> you know, oh. um, God, I'm sure there was come. I'm sure there's something, but this has been um, a, a 
a journey of learning this lesson in bits and pieces. Even mm -hmm. when I was young in like, you know, in college age, I was always very much into reading self-improvement, nonfiction stuff, mm -hmm. you know, the, the seven habits of highly successful people mm -hmm. or think and grow rich or, you know, all the Bibles of self-improvement. Uh, I did all the Tony Robbins stuff, you know, and personal power and unleash the giant within and, you know, all this stuff. And and uh, doing all of this stuff, even at a young age, you start to see this pattern mm -hmm. of of successful, happy people. Mm -hmm. And from an early age, I started getting this repeating theme of you know, do what you love and the money will follow. In fact, that's the name of a book I read. And, you know, and I, and I pay attention. You look, I look around, I'm like, okay, who do I want to be like? You know, do I want to be like that person who's got more money than God, but look <laughs> at their life, you know, look. And I've noticed that, you know, there's, there's general, there are generalities. And I'm not saying that people who are uber rich are not happy. In fact, right. there's plenty that I think are. You know, but I also know I'm smart enough to know that no one's life is perfect. So you might look at Richard Branson or Jeff Bezos or whatever, you know, and maybe you don't see a lot of the negative things. But, you know, I everybody's got something, whether it's not now, it's mm -hmm. later. There's a life is not, a, you know, a bowl of cherries all the time. You know, things right. happen. People lose children. People have diseases. People, you know, I mean, look, look at all the icons that that we know throughout history you know, especially the rich ones. Do you want to trade places with them? I don't. No. Um, yeah, definitely so not. I've learned that, <laughs> you know, so I, I picked it up along the way, but I, I can't, I think, point to one thing off the top of my head and be like, you see, here's the parable. And this is why, I mean, it's, right. it comes at you in all directions if you're paying attention. And I move my hands around, don't I? <laughs> I move my hands around a lot. It's starting to distract me. Okay. Sorry about that. Just You're good. You're good. No, but that, that's always a great, great point, though, and a great, great thing to keep in mind. I think it's it's too easy to get caught up in the rat race sometimes, and, and you lose sight on why you enter a certain field, and, and sometimes you need to – to reset and remember the why, and that will drive you forward. Yeah, you know, in a way, it's kind of like Yoda. You have to unlearn what you've learned. Think about it. When you were, you know, a happy kindergartner, hopefully you're a happy kindergartner, <laughs> you know, and you, you know, go outside for recess, and, you know, the kids, yeah. I mean, that's joy, right? Mm -hmm. No one's thinking about their career. No one's thinking about how much money they have. No one's thinking about what other people are thinking of them. Yep. You know, I grew up in an age, fortunately, where there was no internet, so there wasn't mm -hmm. any of this, you know, stimulation, overload, Facebook media, cyberbullying. We had enough bullying in the playground, and I could just punch the kid in the face, and that would be the <laughs> end. You know what I mean? But now, you know, we're, we're in a different age now, and we live in an age of anxiety. It's been called that, mm -hmm. and there's a lot mm -hmm. of reasons for it. So um, – I think it's important for us to get back to what really matters mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. to unlearn what we've learned as adults and going back to that pure essence of who we are and joy, why we do what we do. Life is too short and you get to know, you know, when you get old like me, you start really noticing that mm -hmm. and you're like, holy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> 20 years just went by. Like that's the last time we talked 20 years, you right. know, I mean, mm -hmm. Or, you know, something and anyway, so. Yeah, 
no yeah all great stuff <laughs> all great stuff there uh yeah we're gonna throw a quick break and when we come back we're gonna jump into death loop and uh we're excited for that because oh, <laughs> not sure if you have music Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for listening to the short messages. And Tom, I know that we've both been super pumped to get into Deathloop. I kind of want to start it back to, to the main theme because I, I had read that you had a different version that was approved and you kind of went back and changed it. So what about that first version didn't sit with you? And how do you think the the rest of the soundtrack would have been altered had you guys stuck with that first version? Well, um, the first thing that question was, what didn't sit with me about uh, right about it? After I got into the game, I started feeling a disconnect in the personality between the original theme and what I was starting to perceive as the personality of Deathloop. Mm-hmm. So the original theme, the scope of the original theme was they wanted something very mysterious, only mm. just mysterious okay kind of lonely lost mysterious in fact um one reference or thing to, was uh in fact was it i don't even know if it referenced it but there was a movie from the 60s called mysterious island <laughs> mm-hmm. right uh and then also there was a series lost um yes. you know yes. uh, michael giacchino did this and i and i heard that and i got it okay i i get that sense because black reef is this mysterious lost island, right? Uh Mm -hmm. So I understand that. But as I got into the game and I'm starting to get a sense of these visionaries, those targets that you're supposed to kill and the pacing Mm -hmm. of it and the tongue-in-cheek nature of it and the the dancing and the partying and the snarkiness and and the comments and the banter, I'm like, no, man, this game is so much fun and snarky and it doesn't take itself seriously and there's such this, this – obviously, there's this looping factor, which, mm-hmm. you know, Deathloop wasn't the name that I heard when I started on the project. The secret right. name of the project was different. So I didn't really know what we know now right. about Deathloop. Now it's like, oh, of course. It's, it's you know. <laughs> uh, but it, so I had to kind of see that being revealed. And then I kind of came back and I'm like, you know, this is cool and everyone approved it and, you know, it does the job and had the right sounds and stuff. But mm. um, I'm like, I just, mm, I want something hooky. I want something that, that loops, something that's memorable, something that has a, a, a commercial melody to it. Mm-hmm. You know, something I can remember, I can sing easily. Something that would sound good in an action scene as mm-hmm. well as a mysterious scene as well as any shade of gray in between. And uh, so that's why I went secretly (laughs) to work on this new theme. (laughs) And then a week later, I gave it in uh, to to Michelle, the audio director uh, at Arcane. And I said, look, I I know, I'm sorry. I had to just, I want to give this to you. Hear me out. This is why I think it might be better. Uh Uh-huh. Don't make a decision now, you know, because I know you like it and everybody's like, okay, you know, 
okay, I'm surprised. Wow. And uh, so, you know, we talked a lot about it and, you know, he understood. It took him a little while. I forgot it was, you know, a few weeks or whatever, but eventually came back and said, yeah, no, I think you're right. I, I, I like it. I think it's a better theme for Deathloop. And, uh, and that was how it happened. Wait, so did you get a chance then to play it? And then you were like, oh, wait a second. You know, what I've created was was fine. But after playing it or after seeing it, that's what kind of changed it. So you didn't so you didn't at all. No, I never got a chance to play the game uh, until not now. I'm, I just have a Steam version because I don't have a PS5. <laughs> but yeah, no, I never got a chance to play it. Nope. Interesting. So then yeah. you just on a whim decided then that that that, hey, this this doesn't feel right. I need Not to on change a whim. This. No, 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 no. Okay. It wasn't, I, I, I did have a chance to get captures of footage, you mm-hmm. know, like they put the game into God mode and float around the maps. And, you know, I'd see characters, you know, in the room dancing around and <laughs> and I'd see, you know, at, at some point, at some point I would hear, you know, some of the VO start to come in. I'd hear Colt being like, you know, what's going on or, you know, whatever, like mm-hmm. some lines. And, and I'd hear some lines from like the, the um, NPCs, you know, mm-hmm. talking amongst themselves and some of the line, the, the comical banter that would go back and forth. So I started hearing the personality and seeing the personality of the game. But it wasn't from playing it. It was just from seeing it. In fact, I didn't even know what all those floating letters were about. You know, I, I still don't know what they're really about. I just know there's some kind of message. <laughs> you know, so uh, no, I'm holding off. I want to play. I want to play it correctly on a uh, on a PS5 because of the speaker in the in the controller and the dual vibrations and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I think obviously the the music has been getting rave reviews from from everybody that that I think I've read or or talked to, and when you hearken back to an era, you know, and you you hear the influence from everything from Bond to Hendrix, there, how do you make sure that that like fits? in a cohesive structure. I mean, they're all cool elements on their own, but that doesn't always guarantee they fit together. You're right. You're right. How do I guarantee it? Ah, uh, you know, it's kind of, if I were to take it out of music and maybe I, I'm not a chef, but I can easily imagine a chef, imagine a chef in a kitchen mm-hmm. with all these ingredients all over the place that has to make all these dishes. Right. And all these ingredients are like musical influences, whether it's Jimi Hendrix or James Bond or The Doors or Led Zeppelin mm-hmm. or, you know, and I have to make some good tasting stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like, but I got to use these ingredients. So it's like, OK, I'll try this. Mm, this needs a little more salt. Oh, this doesn't have enough of this. So this doesn't, you know, and I just grab an experiment until I like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically how I do it. You know, one of the big stages of the creative process that I always talk about, even in my own masterclass, uh, is one thing that a lot of people, creatives, composers, don't take enough time to do is the absorption phase or the R&D phase or the listening phase. We get so caught up in the, oh, I have to produce music quick, you know, quick, quick. I got hired today. I got to make music tomorrow. It's like, (laughs) and I think it's really important for us to like listen listen mm-hmm. to stuff and then listen to ourselves and start to let our creative spirit 
and brain start to process all of this stuff and in a way that will just be appealing and authentic. And I did a lot of experimenting. It wasn't like, you know, I listened to all this. I'm like, here it is. No, there was a lot of experimentation. (laughs) I would play with sounds and, you know, I started collecting and creating sounds. I'm like, ooh, I or I like this drum beat from this song, or I like this bass line from yeah, do maybe when I come with a cue like that. Or, you know, and I would just start to collect ideas, ingredients, musical ingredients, and and figure out what works and what doesn't work. was that a, a long process? Like does does it that mixing for this project, did that take you a while? Yeah, it did. Um it's not always that long. In fact, I will use the time that I have. Mm-hmm. So it depends. You know, with Deathloop, I had plenty of time. Mm-hmm. Some games I don't. I mean, I remember Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter. Back in the day, I had Warfighter 2. Was it that it? Yeah. I had six weeks for 25 minutes from you're hired to full orchestral score recorded. Oh, wow. You know, now a, a movie person or a TV episode might be like, ha, that's nothing. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, when you're starting from scratch, you don't have a team. You don't have a precedent. Um, and you're starting literally from scratch with a document. Yeah, that that wasn't a leisurely pace. But with Deathloop, I had some time and I will look at the time that I have and I will block it out. I'll say, mm-hmm. okay, for me to be the most effective on this score, it's best if I give myself two weeks to just do my R&D. Mm-hmm. And it's better if I give myself another two weeks or whatever it is. I kind of break it up into percentages, more or less, like 10% R&D. And, you know, but if I have 10 days, that means, okay, I got one day, you know, right. to do my listening and I got to jump in. So uh, it, it varies. uh Results may vary uh, on the on the various projects. Well, and and this is such a unique game too. Not only the the gameplay, the mechanics, everything about this is so cool, man. And <laughs> you know, it's like and 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 the music plays such a big part of it as well. Yeah. You know, you've done a, a ton of other games and films and stuff of that nature. What what would you say would be some of the the biggest things that just just differences that you went in going into this game as opposed to some of the other games that you've done? Mm. Well, I think what makes this one very very different is that it's very unconventional in every way mm-hmm. possible. The even the game. I mean, obviously the game is unconventional, mm-hmm. right? But the music also is very unconventional. I wasn't worried about, um, well, I have to have all this orchestra stuff or, you know, it's got to sound like this or this, you know, there really wasn't any game that I could point to or any score where I'm like, yeah, I'm just following the playbook. Mm -hmm. I kind of had to make my own playbook. It's not that I, you know, I'm not saying, oh, every idea is a hundred percent unique, but (laughs) it is a, a fusion of a lot of things that are done in a very unique way, you know? So I, I I think that if you close your eyes and you listen to any piece of music from that soundtrack, which hopefully will be releasing soon, I think you'll know that it's Deathloop. Yes. And that, that's a, due to a combination of things. It has to do with the the style of the music and the melodies it has to do with the sounds themselves it has to do with the the sonic aesthetic 
Mm-hmm. And it has to do just with the overall personality of it, whatever that is. Was there a stretch on this project that was the, the hardest for you to get right? Mm. Yeah, I think there were huh, – yeah, I think there was two aspects that were hard to get right or I under, you know, I felt I had the biggest gap to cover. Uh-huh. One of them was the theme. Mm-hmm. As, as I've already described, that whole process, because I was doing the theme and I did it, but I was like, yeah, okay, this is good, but is it? <laughs> you know, and then like, you know, when no one's asking you to rewrite something and then you kind of do it on your own, you're like, am I wasting my time here? You know, I, right. I am on the clock, but I'm going to take a week, you know, and, and do this. So that was a little iffy, you know, that could have gone either way. Right. Um, I think the other thing which was hard at the beginning uh, was even after listening to a lot of reference music and suggestions from Arcane, there really wasn't a clear picture on how to approach the fight music. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a clear picture on how to approach the fast-pacedness of the game. There were lots of ideas on how to approach the atmospheric side of it and the mysterious side of it. But how do I approach the fight aspect of it? Because if the reference is late 60s, specifically 1968 to 1971, more or less, then when I put that into you know Spotify, there it sounds like Austin Powers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> you know, happy and we're high. And it wasn't like that kind of mean kick you in the ass feeling that it kind of had to be, but it wasn't right. like a serious kick you in the ass. It was, I don't know if my ass is allowed to say ass. <laughs> um, if not, there's going to be a lot of bleeping. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there was that, that, that tongue in cheek. I don't take myself too seriously nature, which is also very much the game itself. Mm-hmm. And I think the music settles into that nicely, I, you know, and I don't know whether it's the music is not taking itself seriously or it just is the way that it sits with the game, that it comes across that way. Kind of like the Pink Panther movies, mm-hmm. mm. you know, when you listen to Henry Mancini, who's an amazing composer, a lot of the music in that film is not funny. In fact, most of it is. It may be one or two is like, ding, 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 ding. But it's beautiful music. But when you hear it in the context of that movie, it then it becomes something very special and Pink Panthery. And I think that might be, and I hope it is, maybe the same with Death Deathloop. For sure. In a different style, of course. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> You know, if if I could kind of pull out and 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 ask you about your career, kind of in general here, I, I know that you mm. had talked about the first Halo as as being instrumental for uh, kind of driving your interest to wanting to be a games composer. Yeah. What was it about that first Halo game that drove you? And then what was that experience then to kind of follow up and and get to work on the Master Chief Collection uh, all those years later? Then, right? Yeah. So you you take over a decade before and then fast forward <laughs> ten years. Um, <laughs> Sure, I can do that. <laughs> what floor are we getting off of? Um, <laughs> so for me, as a gamer since the 70s, uh-huh. and not really having this idea that video game music was what I wanted to pursue, mm. the reason that Halo kind of was one of the instrumental, like, ha-ha moments 
<laughs> is the style of the music itself and the context in the game and the just the whole experience of it. Prior to Halo, some of my favorite game music was Zelda mm -hmm. and nice. Super Mario and, you know, stuff like that. You know, a lot of stuff from Japan, right. quite frankly. Mm -hmm. And it is. It's great music. I, I It's unforgettable. Uh -huh. But it didn't resonate with me like, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. Right? That's not what I, you don't see me pursuing that. Like, you don't see me doing that kind of stuff. It doesn't mean I can't. It doesn't mean I won't. But right. that wasn't what lit me up. Uh-huh. Uh, but when I started hearing music, you know, I guess you could say more Western music, you know, that was like creatively I can resonate with the, the sounds, the textures, the harmonies, the melodies, the the style. I'm like, oh, man, I love that. And it coming from a 15 year music career, keep it in mind, you know, I started in the 80s, late 80s, you know, and professionally I went in 1990. I think I was a professional seeing those worlds combine and 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 feeling like the music I was doing professionally was starting to feel creatively restricted, you know, come 2001, the music industry changed a lot. People started downloading music for free because of high-speed internet. That's when it came out. 2001 is really when it started becoming common for people to have high-speed internet in their house. Right. Mm -hmm. And that changed everything, including the music industry and including the way music was sold. Because now it's more about singles than it is about albums. Yep. Right. You know, and then Steve Jobs, the genius, came by and he he figured out a way to make people make it easier for people to buy music than to steal it. Right. Mm -hmm. But everything changed. The dynamic of the, the 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 industry changed, and so did the the creativeness of it. I mean, when you listen to music from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and you compare it to music now, on the whole today's music is way less creative. It's much more like, I've heard that before. I've heard that before. Mm -hmm. I've heard that before. Even one of my favorite modern albums, Bruno Mars, 24 Karat Gold. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's amazing, but it's that was done. I yep. mean, that was done. That's the sad. We're going back to early 90s R&B. Mm -hmm. Some of my favorite music. I mean, he did it amazingly well, but there's nothing original about it. Mm -hmm. And specific, definitely the trap music. I mean, it's like the same song over and over. Yep. You know, so that's the industry we're in now. Not that there's not originality out there. There is, but it's not Sorry. monetized. Like it's all about making money now. Right. I, you know, again, I hate to yeah. generalize, but I'm, I'm taking it as a whole. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all about, yo, man, I got this beat and you know, this, this thing. And it's just like money, 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 money. You know, whereas before artists would take more chances. You, you don't see the likes of Peter Gabriel and Sting anymore you know, or seal or, you know, art that we're like, wow, I've never heard anything like that before, you know? Yep. Uh, and we used yeah. to buy albums, you know, with Pink Floyd, you would listen to it from beginning to end. You know, we're not in that anymore. So um, this is a big, long tangent. But the thing is, <laughs> I was feeling creatively restricted. And at the same time, games like Halo, Rainbow Six and Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, started to light me up creatively. I'm like, I love this. I want to mm -hmm. do this. Mm -hmm. This is an outlet where I can be myself and go and jump and, you know, have an adventure uh, where, and that's really what lit me up about it. 
And then, of course, fast forward 10 years and then getting a phone call from my friend Paul Lipson to, to be a part of the team to recreate the original score to Halo was mm. like, drop the phone. You know <laughs> what? What? <laughs> wait, wait, repeat that again. I'm sorry. What What happened? You know, so. Yeah, I mean, again, it's a dream come come true. Totally. Full circle moment. Yeah. And, and you said that you you want to be more strategic uh, in, in your project choices. So, you know, what is it that draws you to the project or to a project or one that says that like, ah, you know, I'm just going to pass on that. Yeah. You know, for me, what lights me up, gets me excited is something different or something where I can really dive in creatively and just take me somewhere else. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of what lights me up. I mean, Deathloop scared me because, yeah, I that was out of my comfort zone, which I do yeah. like. I mean, I do like getting out of my comfort zone. I like games that are not, you know, that allow me to do music that's just not, okay, take the orchestra and make good music. Right. <laughs> you know, not that there's anything wrong with that. Of course, that's amazing. That's great. And we have millions of creative people out there that do that. But me personally, again, we're talking about being true to ourselves. I have a lot of fun when I get to use my entire toy box and not just one part of it. And for me, my toy box covers orchestral, but it all covers everything else. Mm -hmm. It covers every kind of music and pop music and imagine it covers. So I remember, you know, one of the game scores, one of the first times I really had a lot of fun, like I did in Deathloop and, and with variety mm -hmm. is Red Steel. Yes. Mm. The original Red mm -hmm. Steel, which I rumor has it that we're going to re-release it. Oh. I don't think it's available now anymore. I think you have to go to my website to hear it or something like that. But they're going to re-release it too, I think, for the anniversary. What is it, like the 15-year anniversary of something, of Deathloop? I mean, excuse me, of Red Steel. Of Red, so yeah. um, that was a game where I was able to have fun. And, you know, a lot of the music is based on riffs and drum beats and, doom, 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 you know, mm -hmm. it, it, and – it fused things together in ways that I've never heard of before. I mean, you're taking, you know, some kind of Japanese um, um, melody played by a, you know, a violinist with some crazy Led Zeppelin drums and rock guitar beats and then choir, Japanese choir. And, you know, it's like, and then you go to a funk track and then you go to an electronica track and then you go to a, you know, EDM track. I mean, whatever. Mm. It it just goes hip hop. And it, it was just so much fun. Circus music, you know? Mm -hmm. So I love that. I, I guess I just love the colorful, rich originality that can occur in scores uh, that, that I that I work on. And, you know, and that doesn't mean that everything I work on is like, I've never heard that before. Right. Of course, you know, you can look at my credit. I mean, the game's like, you know, whatever Wolven, Wolvenstein or well that was kind of unique too because that was an 80s thing but uh, <laughs> I don't know you know name it there, there's much Warface Halo I mean Halo I didn't invent that sound <laughs> right you know Marty Marty Michael did that sound that uh, style so. you know the last question for me uh when when you started to do more and more video games did it require a little bit of a, a rewiring of your brain? Uh, just because I always think of like, you know, when you think of television uh, or movies or when you're working with with other uh, musicians, 
video games are just structured so uniquely narratively and and yeah. they're longer and and all that that entails w- was that a a, a transition that, that you really had to work on kind of getting in the right mind frame uh, for a yes. narrative structure yeah there was a few things that I had to rewire my brain for Mm-hmm. creatively video game music i had to really start getting used to the idea that the music has to keep on changing and evolving i think one of the first amazing composers who who i was aware of early on and who, who I, I i spoke with early on in fact he asked me to to collaborate with him on a ghost recon game was bill brown uh and when i started hearing bill brown's music in rainbow six and stuff i was like wow it's incredible well I mean, first it was incredible um, and he's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he would constantly change the music all the time. Like he would do four bars and then another four bars wouldn't be the same. And they would keep changing and keep, keep changing. Whereas coming from pop music, it's like, you got your verse, you got your verse. Maybe you add one little sound and that's about it. Right. Mm-hmm. One element. And then, it, or the chorus, the second chorus is the same as the first chorus. Maybe you bring in one more thing, you know, like Max Martin and Britney Spears. I mean, there's a formula to it. So that was that was difficult. I had to kind of like think more like ADD when I'm making music, mm-hmm. constantly different, changing, changing, never let it stay the same. So that was one big thing. Um, jumping around, you know, the nonlinear aspect of video game music where you're composing a blocks of music that have to connect in different ways. I mean, that's a big change for a lot of people. It wasn't as big for me because I came from pop music and I came from a structured, you're at this tempo, and you can jump to the bridge if you interrupt the verse right in the middle, you know, mm-hmm. like I was kind of, that's more what what game music is like, as opposed to a classically trained composer doing film who's used to a lot more planned events. Right. That is like I'm scoring now and then the, the melody subsides. He says the line and then it revolves into the, you know, in games, you're not scoring to moment to moment. You're scoring a possibility. You're scoring to the action of playing the game. So I had, I guess, a slight advantage in that. Uh, And then the last thing, which was very challenging to someone coming from a producer perspective or an artist-driven perspective, where the music is the focus, Mm -hmm. is that you have to get your ego and leave it at the door because it's not about your music anymore. (laughs) You're now a team member, and the music is not the most important thing. So... If you love something and the people who are writing your check don't, you have to say goodbye to it <laughs> um, and, you know, not take things personally. Uh-huh. You have to be able to take constructive criticism or requests and, and be like, OK, no, no, I can see how you don't like, you know. So that's a big change, too. It's a mental mindset to become more of a team player. And and again, leave that ego at the door. We're all working. We're, we're not trying to challenge your ability. I mean, that that's where I think a sense of maturity comes into this. Mm-hmm. It's like, OK, get over yourself. Don't. OK, this isn't about you. Right. <laughs> Unless right. you want to make it about you. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So that mindset is important, I think, for all people who want to get into to. Uh, you know, music to picture in general, um, and and certainly video games, which is a very big team sport. Real quick, tell us too. You also have a masterclass series, uh, which I think is huge. And a lot of times we'll ask guests, "Hey, how did you know? Where can people look to start going down and and getting into this path?" Tell us yeah. about your masterclass series. Oh, thank you very much. So, well, you know what? I have I just love besides music. One of the things that I love 
love doing. Hey, am I doing that? Are you doing that? That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So I wanted to create something that would be the equivalent of me giving a crash course to someone who I was training Mm -hmm. and make it available to people around the world. I've given countless talks for, for almost two decades now you know, at universities and conferences and, 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 uh, all kinds of things around the world. And it's great. And I love connecting with people, but I also realize that there are larger chunks of people out there that cannot attend those things. They, they can't leave, you know, they can't get out. They can't the expense or the time or whatever it is. So I thought, look, I'm doing this anyway. Why don't I put together my own course? And, and my own series of courses, and I'll start with something called Gay Music Essentials, where mm-hmm. I basically, it's a crash course. It's, 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 this is what you need to know if you want to be a video game composer. Everything from the basics of understanding implementation and integration to the terminology to the creative process, all the way to the, to the uh, understanding the business side. I mean, the last talk in there is a 26, 27 minute talk that I've gotten people like, I learned more in 27 minutes than I did in four years of college Wow! on, mm-hmm. on the business side. And, and I just lay it out like, boom, here it is. This is what you need to know, you know, and it's, uh, I'm not pulling any punches here. This is, again, I'm, tra- I'm speaking to, to my students as I'd speak to my own family and friends about this is what it takes. And mm-hmm. so I wanted to make it available to everybody. And what I can do for your listeners is I can give them uh, a code um, for discounts. I have now two courses. One is the um, Game Music Essentials, which is the first one. And the one that just released last week is called Scoring AAA Deathloop Edition. And this I did because I got so many requests, Spike. I love Game Music Essentials. This is amazing. But could you actually go into one game and show us from beginning to end how you do it? I'm like, yeah. oh, sure. And then I did. That's what it is. So it's an actual seven-hour course, all video, of me showing how I score Deathloop from reading the brief to creating uh, – to experimentation ideas that I never – that never made it into the game. Some of the earliest ideas. The theme. I do a track-by-track breakdown of the main theme. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. All the way to how I name my stems and organize them to naming files. Like it's everything. Again, it's like if I were training somebody to work as my assistant or to, you know, go out here, I want you to go out on your own and be a composer. I would say you watch these courses um, and that's what they're designed for. So I will um, give you guys a code if you'd like. We can make it up right now. You can make up your own code. <laughs> I can offer $100 off of Deathloop Edition uh, oh, wow. and uh, $30 off of Game Music Essentials which is much less expensive. And we can do that right now. That is awesome. Yes, yes. No, yeah. uh, we absolutely should do that. And and what we'll do too is we'll put it uh, in the description uh, yep. and link it and everything like that because I, I think this is, you know, it's so important, at least for me, I am such a visual learner to be able right. to see what somebody else's process is. It's like, yep. oh, that's, yeah. huge. No re- that's huge. No reading required this. You just watch it <laughs> and you listen and, you know, you can be it's be it's just like sitting right here in my chair and, you know, let's let's just go through this together. If you go to TomSalter.com and click on Masterclass, you can okay. see both courses and you can watch the trailers and all that kind of stuff. Perfect. Perfect. So, Tom, 
Oh, go ahead. So ahead, I, I think I think though that that um, so so what what do we want the code name to be? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the code name. Well, what what do you want it to be? So you want it to be LVRJ dash something? Uh, why not why not land parties? Fine, fine. So let's do nice and simple. Let's do land parties. One word. Mm-hmm. Dash. DLE for Death Loop Edition. And okay. then dash GME for Game Music Essentials. Perfect. How's that? Perfect. That is amazing. That is awesome. Thank you. So within 10 minutes of this recording, those will be live. Yes. Well, thank that you. Is thank awesome. you so much for that. That is amazing. Yes. You got it. We do appreciate it. Again, Tom, thank you so much for coming on, taking the time, speaking with us. Tell us, where can we find you? Uh, where should we go? What do you got coming up? Lay it oh, on us, brother. Okay. Yeah, cool. So. I'm easy to find. I cannot hide from you. <laughs> Come to TomSalta.com. That's my website. You can listen to all kinds of music. If you click on all the pretty pictures, you got the masterclass there. That's fine. Visit me on that's Yeah, that's the website right there. Boom. Uh, you can see me on Facebook. I have a, a, a page on Facebook. Uh, I even have a masterclass series page there. Uh, let's see. Where else do I hang out? I, I, I do some stuff on Instagram. Not as much as I should, but I, I'm doing it more and more. Um, and a YouTube I have a growing, I please subscribe. I'm kind of new to YouTube, but all of my, uh, by the way, w- once a month, I go live every month on like, I think it's like the last Wednesday of every month. I go live for an hour with all students um, that have taken my courses. They come on live with me and we talk about, they'll ask questions and stuff and I broadcast it on YouTube. So if you go to my uh, YouTube channel and hit subscribe, that will be a good thing because I hear that when you hit certain numbers, it allows me to have more reach or be like an official channel or something. I don't know how it works. <laughs> I just know that you have to come and subscribe and then you'll, you'll, we can talk to each other every month in real time and all that Perfect. stuff. Perfect. Are you on Twitter? That is awesome. I, I yeah I am but I just do more retweeting than okay. than spending my yeah I don't like I'm not sitting here like you know like Trump going on Twitter. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Sorry, but anyway yeah no I'm not I, I'm not active on Twitter. I think that's probably the right way to say it. No, Tom. Again, thank you so much for being on, man. We appreciate it. Oh, great to be here, guys. It's always fun. Absolutely, Lucas. What do you got going on this weekend? I, uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to spend some more time in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, again, my girlfriend and I are still power, powering through uh, Mass Effect and just having, mm. it, it's been so much fun just taking our time. Like, I cannot stress that enough that that the old me of just trying to rush through just to finish a game uh, is out and I'm actually enjoying seeing the world and doing as many dialogue yeah. options as I can. Uh, so I'm going to have fun with that. How about yourself, Ryan? Wait, wait, wait. Now I have to yeah. ask you a question. <laughs> you already know I have not I have not touched Metal Gear Solid 5. <laughs> I haven't touched it. <laughs> but I am going to be touching it because I've got about two weeks left before the the charity stream so i, I gotta keep my promise we're gonna get that game beat and i gotta go back i still need to finish death loop so it's like i'm enjoying i've been enjoying that game but other games we had the, the review of guardians and you know we had new world come out so i've been all over the place gaming wise but i'm gonna try to refocus back up we're gonna finish metal gear solid 5 and then and then i'm gonna i'm gonna continue my my playthrough of death loop but 
Hey, I'm, I'm going to do it. Believe in me. Believe in me. However, we hope you guys have a fantastic week. Thank you so much for, for listening. Don't forget, check us out on the tweeters at LandPartiesPod, at LucasEggen, or at Smitty2447. We hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week. And you know what it is. We love your faces. <laughs> Let's <laughs> go.